0: Fans of musical theater, history, and pop culture have a treat in store next week as the national tour of the mega-hit musical, Hamilton, makes a stop at Fayetteville's Walton Art Center. We'll preview the blockbuster show that turned the theater world upside down in this weekend's editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and we'll talk about that and much, much more today on the Know the News podcast. Hello, my name is Rusty Turner, and I'm the editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and I'm your host for Know the News. Hamilton opens March 22nd at the Walton Arts Center and runs through April 3rd. The play, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, uses varied music styles including hip-hop and jazz and a multicultural cast to tell the story of one of the most interesting of America's founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton. Miranda's play opened on Broadway in August of 2015 and is still running. It won 11 Tony Awards, including Best Musical and a Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Its soundtrack, which has sold well more than a million copies, also won a Grammy Award. And the recorded version of the play has been streamed millions of times on Disney+. It is truly one of the most successful Broadway musicals in history. Hamilton has played Los Angeles, Chicago, and overseas, and the current national tour is making a stop in Fayetteville next week. So the question is, how did that show, with such a huge impact, end up playing in Fayetteville so quickly? Scott Galbraith, Vice President of Programming and the Executive Producer at the Walton Arts Art Center, is here to talk about that. Scott, thanks for being here. Uh, pleasure, thank you. All right, first let's uh, tell the uh, tell the audience, for those who don't know, a little bit about Hamilton, both the musical and uh, and the man, uh, Alexander Hamilton. Well,
1: I think your your theatrical summary is you hit all the high points, yeah. and Lin Manuel Miranda's um, voice really was first heard by the theatrical community um, within the Heights. And I remember that was the moment. And it's the only time in my entire career I remember sitting in a theater thinking, that's a brand new voice in American theater. I mean, and that was a really heady thought at the time, but it clearly was true. And he just keeps delivering incredible material, insightful lyrics, beautiful language, and tackles some some really significant topics. So he's, um, I tell my kids that he's sort of the Sondheim of his generation, and they happen to agree. Um, but in many ways, he is reinventing American theater uh, as we're living it. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I've, I've done quite a bit of reading about uh, Lynn manuel Miranda over the last few years since since uh, Hamilton uh, uh, became such a huge hit. And, you know, he, he talks about the influence of people like Stephen Sondheim and and, uh, and and even you know uh, old uh, older uh, more traditional musical uh, composers like uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein on his on his work and and uh, and you can sort of hear in his in in the in the lyrics and the rhyming patterns that he uses that sort of Sondheim Uh, patter. uh So he's uh, he's he you know at the same time as. He's a new voice, but at the same time, he 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 is he is cognizant and 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 respectful of of the traditions of musical theater.
1: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah, and to hear him speak in
0: public about
1: his work, uh, which I've, I've been fortunate to do, you you really do start to understand the depth of his knowledge and love of his predecessors. But he's also incredibly knowledgeable about contemporary music. Uh, one piece in particular in the show, I, sadly, I don't remember which one. Every character in the, in, the, in the song is basically representing a different um, era of rap and a different rap style. It, it, that is a, a nuance that's lost on my ears the first time, what was lost on my ears the first time I heard it. But it really gives you an insight into his brain, how it works, and how he is connecting the entire history of American musical theater with contemporary music. He's he's nothing short of brilliant. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and I, uh, I, you know, I, I heard many, many people a little bit about a little bit when In the Heights came out because there's quite a bit of rap in In the Heights. But, but I do remember a lot of people of my generation who are theater fans thinking, well, I'm not sure I could listen to two and a half hours of, of, of rap, but uh, as, as part of a musical. But it really, truly is brilliant, and it's a, uh, um, it, it, it's sort of an everyman, uh. Uh, Approach to to bringing theater to to a whole new generation. So it's really kind of a a, a, it is successful on many many levels. I think uh, based on based on my based on my my interpretation of it. I've seen the haven't seen it on stage yet, but I've seen it uh, seen the Disney version many many times and listened to the soundtrack many times.
1: Well, and and that is a very faithful recording of the production and and the show itself. Yes, uh, Lynn, with the, the the script and the music. He 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 does exactly what you're describing, but also the casting of the show, the staging of the show, all of that. Um, yes, portrays American history through um, a very interest, you know, with a very interesting uh, view- a viewpoint. But also, you know, in that it is anachronistic and is breaking um, traditional casting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, of, of those characters. It it really reinforces what he is helping us to see about our own history.
0: Yeah, well it is it is I think a a brilliant piece of theater and I um I know people who will get to see it uh, when it comes to Walton Arts Center will enjoy it. So Scott yes. can you can you talk a little bit about about how, the process of landing such a big show uh on your Broadway series because it seems to me that was a bit of a coup uh to get that show so quickly uh on the national tour.
1: Um thank you. It is a bit of a coup.
0: We're very <laughs> um, we're very proud of that. Um
1: not so much because it's a Walton Art Center achievement. And, and I know this sounds a little, you know, congratulatory, but it is a community effort. It's it's because this market has really established itself, uh, despite being a tertiary market in one of the smaller physical houses, the theater's seat counts on the road. Um, producers know that they're finding success in this market and in this theater. Um, one of the things that uh, I know performers love about this house is that it's it's as intimate or more intimate than many of the Broadway houses. Mm-hmm. So in fact, when you see Hamilton here, it will be a more intimate experience than if you saw it at the Richard Rodgers in New York. Um, so I, I really, the, the direct answer to your question is, yes, it took a lot of work on our part, um, including having one of the producers come and and sit with us and talk with us about how to make this happen in our market, in a market our size, but that conversation would never have happened to begin with. Had it not been for the last decade or more of really successful, um, you know, Broadway performance in this community. And we started out as a sort of a, a weekend or a one night here and there kind of Broadway series, which is exactly the way to start. And we've grown into a very successful, what's called one week market. So all the shows plays here, play here for a week. And every once in a while, we do one for less than that. But generally on season, it's always a week. And that's on par with many of the major markets around the country yeah
0: um, now and I, having having seen the, the the lot the stream on on Disney I know that the that that there are some complicated elements to staging uh, the show so can you talk a little bit about that and and what the challenges are uh, and at uh, at Walton Art Center to to, to to get the show on stage and, and present it in the in a way uh, uh, similar to, to the way you may have seen it on Broadway yeah, absolutely. One of the
1: one of the um, one of the steps between having the producer come out and talk with us and and uh, you know having the agreement signed that we could do this, uh, we also had somebody from the one of the road companies fly out and set feet on our stage and walk through the, the the building and and really make sure that it would physically fit in. And what did we needed to do? What do we need to do to the building infrastructure wise or or reinforcement wise to make that sort of thing happen? And so it was a very detailed. Um, very precise pro because I will tell you, it's going to take, as Peter Lane said the other day when we announced the series, it's going to take a lot of shoehorns to get the show into this building. <laughs> um, yeah. but it will just fit and it will be spectacular. But, um, yeah, there was a, there was a long detailed process of analysis, of financial analysis to make sure that, um, the risk that there was re- reasonable reward potential at the other end of the risk. And there is and as a result um as you saw with the the season announcement i don't want to get too far ahead but we've already started seeing other producers with other
0: shows say oh wow they can do hamilton well now i know the x show and y show can play there too right right so uh now i know in the broadway show a turntable on the stage a turning stage or 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 uh is it plays a very significant role is that something we're going to be able to duplicate here in Fayetteville Yes. yeah, yeah.
1: The touring, the, the, the touring show, as you would see in Chicago, as you would see in San Francisco, is the one that will be here. Ah, great.
0: Okay. All right. Well, um, uh, now I know when it was announced, there was a buzz in the, in the theater. And I'm, 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 I'm part of the theater community, so I, 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 I hear this a lot. But uh, I know there was quite a buzz when it was announced that the show was coming. So um, uh, talk a little bit about your ticket sales. I know they went really, really fast. Yes, we've seen the
1: the national trend is exactly that, and and we have the same thing. There is uh, there are still seats available, not many, but we are not uh, we're not quite at capacity. We anticipate that we will be before the run is over, but there is still opportunity.
0: So there's still a few tickets left on some for some of the performances. Yes. Wow. If, if yeah. you're coming as you know if you're, you're coming as a two or a three, you may not necessarily sit together. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. You, you'll you will be in the theater. Gotcha. gotcha. You'll, you'll be you'll be, it, in the you'll, room where it happened. That's happens. exactly what I was gonna say. Okay. All right. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> you beat me to it. So, uh, all right. So, um, and you know, for those who aren't familiar, one of the amazing things about the show is that Ham is that is that Lynn Manuel Miranda decided to focus on one of the founding fathers who's who hasn't been as 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 well documented as say George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or or even James Madison. Um, and you know it's a, it's a fascinating story it's a dramatic story it, it makes perfect sense that that uh, uh, someone would put it in a dramatic setting he, he started as a uh, st- started his life in, in poverty in the in the Caribbean and you know worked his way to the United States was a revolutionary War hero, a confidant of George Washington the first uh, helped write the Constitution he wrote uh, the primary author of the Federalist pa- papers which was, uh, which is the still the defining document of what the Constitution says. Um, the first Secretary of the Treasury. So uh, you know, fascinating life uh, with a tragic end. I don't think I'm spoiling it for anyone. Uh, if you have read your history books, you know that he died in a duel with the sitting Vice President of the United States, Aaron Burr, in in 1804. So uh, he's he's a fascinating Alexander Hamilton is a fascinating character on his own, and to introduce him to to a generation of, of folks through this this play seems to be a, uh, another stroke of brilliance for 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 the composer.
1: Yeah. I honestly can't tell you how many of us would have been on vacation with a book about Alexander Hamilton. You could stop that sentence right there. Yeah. And also to, to then be thinking, wow, this would make a great musical and then to do it and make it a global phenom. Yeah. It, uh, but truly when you, when you stop and look at sort of the, 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 uh, the milestones of Hamilton's life, it it there are many significant plot points that are just built in there, um, and then there's his relationship with the Schuyler family, and and you know it just goes on and on and on, um, and amazingly all of that gets into the show. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it is uh, one of the I was I was doing a little research before we talked and. And uh, one of the really interesting facts uh, that I found was that, you know, typically a musical will have um, have in the vicinity of seven um, – I've I've lost the I've lost the numbers now but basically the number of words in Hamilton doubles the number of words that are usually in a in a in a musical play so uh uh there's a lot of information communicated in a relatively short amount of time in that show it, it's true and, and um I have a good fortune to be a Tony
1: voter and almost all with just about every show that I see in New York I try not to um do too much research before I go into it because I really want the performance of the show to be the one that you know, is my lasting impression. And then if I need to go back later and, and research, I will. But, um, I will tell you right now with Hamilton, I do suggest that if you are not familiar with the score, this may be one of those you want to listen to or watch the Disney mm-hmm. Plus version before you come because the, there is so much in the lyric. It, poetically, yes, but also historically. Yes. And, um, it, it really, I think, behooves you to be familiar with, with what you're listening to before you come.
0: Yeah. Um, the first time I watched the, the stream of Hamilton, I, I uh, watched it without closed captions, but I've watched it since a couple of times with closed captions just so there you, you could get uh, a, a, a greater sense of what the lyrics are saying because as I said, it's the, the number the amount of information communicated in a short period of time is, is pretty astounding. So it is. And right. it's done so well, yeah. so very well. So, um, you know, uh on the heels of the success of landing ham I, I will also mention this. I was around when when Walton Art Center landed cats for the first time. And there was quite a bit of buzz about that too, and that was in the early nineties, I believe. So uh yep. so yeah, that's it's, right. it's not the first time uh that uh, that the Walton Art Center has has been able to score one of these big shows uh, in a, in a surprising fashion. So congratulations. No, thank you. And, you know, to some degree
1: it, it has been a while because the shows keep getting physically larger and larger and larger. Right. Hamilton is a very large show. Um, there are shows that are physically larger and still have a difficult time getting into the building. Um, but you're right. Uh, we, act, this is actually not even the first time we have hosted a two week run. Um, a number of years ago, Beauty and the Beast played two weeks, um, during the summer, uh, but this is the first time in a very long time and it takes a title of sort of that cultural significance mm-hmm. to to warrant the extra the extra time and the extra risk and clearly this is one of
0: them yeah now Scott I we we talked about this just briefly a moment ago but I know you've just recently announced your 2022 20, 23 Broadway season, and there are a couple of Tony uh, Best Musical Tony winners on that list as well. So, if you want to take a minute, tell uh, tell our listeners about what's coming up uh, after Hamilton leaves town and what's coming next.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah you're right. The next season actually accounts uh, uh, for 26 Tony Awards among all the titles. The two that I think people are are most buzzing about are Hadestown Town. Uh, which was one of the Best Musical winners in the most recent years, and Moulin Rouge, the musical, which is the other most recent um, Tony Award-winning Best Musical. So we have the two most recent Tony winners for Best Musical. Uh, Chicago is on that series, which is a Tony winner for Best Revival. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty Woman, the musical, is a a new show that people will be seeing for the first time uh, based on the film. Tootsie uh, is another f- hysterically funny new musical, also based on the film. And then the Time Honored classic, My Fair Lady, but seen through 21st Century Eyes. It's not changed lyrically or script wise or, or even character wise, but because we are different in the 21st century, we see those themes through contemporary eyes.
0: So it, it's, it promises to be a fascinating series, I think. Right. And so. I guess, so three of the shows were our musicals based on 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 musicals that were films, or films first, which Moulin Rouge, uh, Tootsie, and uh, and Pretty Woman. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, Chicago and My Fair Lady were subsequently made into films after their musicals, yeah. and yeah. Hades Town is a straight up brand new piece of theater. Yeah.
0: Well, in the film ver the the most recent the the film version of Chicago won Best Picture, as I remember, in the Academy Awards. Yes. So, yes. so anyway. Well, um, well, this is exciting. You know, as I said, for people who are into theater, this is a pretty exciting time. And I know uh, I know it's exciting for the folks at the Walton Arts Center to have to have Hamilton come to town. So, uh, uh, Scott, what are we missing? Anything else we need to talk about uh, um, uh, regarding the, the premiere of Hamilton or or what's coming up?
1: Well, I would generally say, certainly because of Hamilton, but often because of, of the Broadway series generally. One of the things that, that is always very gratifying is the degree to which it, uh, well, what it relies on the community to make it happen, but it also benefits the community in terms of job creation. And, you know, a lot of things that people don't necessarily associate with the arts. Um, this is one of those times when you really look at, you know, try and get into a restaurant in our area in the next couple of weeks. They're going to be jam packed. Um, it, it really has, you know, it has a benefit on the parking industry. There's just so <laughs> much. So um, as much as um, we rely on a strong, supportive community to make these shows happen, we're happy to know that it it gives back in at least a, 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 a little bit.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank my guest today. Uh, it's Scott Galbraith. He's the vice president for programming and, Ex- and the executive Prozu- producer at the Walton Arts Center. And he was here today to talk to us about Hamilton, the musical, which is coming uh coming to the Walton Arts Center uh, March 22nd through April 3rd. You can read all about Hamilton and the, uh, the show in this weekend's editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette in our What's Up Entertainment section. Scott, thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for the time. We've got lots of other great content coming your way in this weekend's editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. But first, I want to talk about one of our other podcasts that I think our listeners will want to hear. This week, Greg Harton, who's our editorial page editor, he and I had a chance to visit with Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson for Greg's Speaking of Arkansas podcast. It's available right now on our website at nwaonline.com and anywhere you get podcasts. Greg's joining us today for a few minutes, and he's going to talk a little bit about what the governor had to
2: say. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Rusty. Thanks uh, for having me today. I appreciate it. Uh, we had an opportunity uh, just on Wednesday to talk to the governor, and uh, you know, the governor is in his final eight and a half, nine months of office. I think this, you know, just might be the the final time we get to have him on the podcast. So I really did appreciate the chance to to speak with him about. Uh, a wide range of topics. We we covered a lot of uh, topics and in about 45 minutes uh, of an interview. Uh, we went from talking about the, the things he wants to work on in the remaining time that he has in office. We talked about jail and uh, prison overcrowding in, in, in Arkansas, um, how that's affecting Benton and Washington counties with the jails and the backlog of, of state prisoners. Uh, and I asked him about, you know, uh, some of the claims that Arkansas over incarcerates um, uh, some of its population, and uh, and he really defended the state's history of pursuing alternative forms of sentencing and uh, and handling those guilty of crimes in ways other than our incarceration. But he basically said, you know, reforms are not. Uh, uh, exclusive, you know, that uh, there just has to be adequate space in prison to to uh, send the people who uh, we don't want, uh, you know, the community overall does not want uh, out there, you know, people uh, who are guilty of violent crimes. And so he just really felt like the state needed to uh, go ahead and build that space, uh, ease up some of the pressure on the county jails, uh, which uh, I know here in Benton, Washington counties, uh, we're we're having, you know, uh, serious conversations about expanding the local jails. Well, that's also, um, those, so,
0: co- those conversations are also taking place, and you know, just across the region, I know Sebastian County's talked about it. Madison County, of course, doesn't have an operating county jail at the moment, and are having to, to haul prisoners across the state to uh, uh, to find spots for them. So it's 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 more than just a Benton and Washington County problem, but it's certainly an acute problem in both those counties.
2: It is, um, you know, he, he also addressed uh, the uh, uh, some of the uh, alternatives uh, to sentencing. I uh, like the the expansion of the mental health crisis units. Uh, you know, Fayetteville has one uh, that is uh, 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 has has kind of been on hiatus for a while because of some funding issues, uh, but uh, but we're. Uh, uh, We're told that that's coming back soon. UAMS is going to take that over. But he also talked about how he wants, uh, he he certainly hopes that those four that we have, which are in Little Rock, Jonesboro, down in Sebastian County and Fort Smith and and in Washington County, he hopes that those can be expanded to other parts of the state, even though um, other parts of the state have some pretty serious challenges about having kind of the critical mass of population in a concentrated area to to make those those easy to uh, to operate so that's kind of an interesting aspect of it he he also talked about mobile sports betting we asked him about that said he's grateful that it's uh, limited to four geographic areas as far as the casinos go but that uh, the mobile sports betting is just kind of a natural kind of progression of what the people of arkansas voted for uh, and I thought it was interesting that he, he he talked about Pope County's resistance to licensed casinos I think you asked him a question about that and he said that uh, he, he felt like localities ought to always have a say about whether a casino is placed within their uh, within their boundaries but that that was not what the voters of Arkansas approved back when they they approved amendment 100 Um one of the key areas I thought was pretty interesting was when we uh, I asked him about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who he's endorsed to be the next governor, um, and uh, I asked if, if he felt like she would make a good governor. Um, you know, Hutchinson has, has built a pretty impressive resume of public service. He did that before he uh, was elected governor, so I really asked him if he saw any problem with someone who doesn't have that kind of history uh, becoming governor. He kind of cited... Mike Huckabee, uh, Ms. Sanders' uh, father, whose only public office before he rose into the governorship was kind of the less-than-crucial office of uh, lieutenant governor. And he cited Ronald Reagan, who was an actor before he became uh, California's governor. And then he had this to say. But we'll also look at, at President Zelensky uh, of Ukraine.
0: Uh, he was uh, in business. He had never held public office before. And leaders rise to the occasion and that's what you see has happened uh, with with uh, President Zelensky in, in Ukraine, but that's what happens with leaders. So there's not any magical step. Uh, you look at the qualities and trust and uh, their leadership capability, and, and uh, uh, so it doesn't bother me the fact that there's not a long record of public offices that have been held. We also, and I don't want to give away too much, but we also talked a little bit with the governor about what his future plans are. You, you mentioned that he's... His second term's coming to an end. He's not uh, not able to run for a third term, according to Arkansas's constitution. So, so uh, we gave him the opportunity to make any announcements about what his future plans were uh, on our podcast. And I'm not going to reveal his answer. Uh, if you want to know what it is, you can, you can uh, come to our website and listen to the podcast. But uh, anyway, we, we, we did spend quite a bit of time talking about what the governor may have in store after, after he gets out of office.
2: We did, and we, we covered uh, several other issues that uh, really, uh, I think, make the podcast worth a listen. And I think uh, I think a lot of Arkansans will get a little something out of the, uh, the interview that we, we did, because, uh, like I say, we covered a lot of territory.
0: Well, Greg, thanks for asking me to be part of your podcast uh, on Wednesday when we recorded it. And I appreciate you coming on my podcast today uh, to talk about that and uh, maybe give a few more folks the opportunity to take a listen.
2: Yeah, glad to be here, Rusty.
0: All right. Thanks, Greg. That was Greg Harton. He's the editorial page editor for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And uh, check out his uh, podcast called Speaking of Arkansas uh, on our website. Now let's talk about a few of the other stories we've got coming in this weekend's editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Efforts by the U.S. Census Bureau to protect the privacy of respondents has also had the unintended consequence of rendering much of that data useless to municipal planners. Doug Thompson takes a look at that in Sunday's edition. Springdale is running out of ball fields for kids' softball and baseball leagues. Lorenda Jenks will tell you what the city leaders plan to do about it. Thomas Ascente checks in on the preparations for the Steel Horse Motorcycle Rally in the River Valley. That's coming up in May. A controversial proposal to develop land near Old Missouri Road and Rolling Hills Drive in Fayetteville is back. Developers are again asking for land to be rezoned to allow multifamily and commercial elements to develop in the area. If you're a subscriber, all of that content and much, much more is available to you on our smartphone and tablet apps and at our website at nwaonline.com. If you're not a subscriber, you ought to be. Just go to our website and click on the subscribe button Or call us at 479-684-5509. Again, that is 479-684-5509. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, which comes to you new every Friday afternoon. That's all for today. This is Rusty Turner saying thanks for listening to the Know the News podcast.